welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Genexa, a company revolutionizing over-the-counter products for children and families. Their products are all cleaner, healthier, and allergen-free versions of the products you already know and use. Genexa has a whole line of natural homeopathic remedies for sleep, stress, allergy relief, jet lag, and so much more. And they've also developed more natural alternatives to things like heartburn remedies as an alternative to Tums, a truly clean vitamin D3, for instance, in infants and kids, natural saline rinse for infants, kids, or adults, a pain crush roll-on that I've been using after tough workouts, a natural laxative, and so much more. All of their products are vetted and tested and approved by an entire team of doctors to make sure that they are all safe, natural, and effective. You can check them out and save 20% just for being a listener of this podcast by going to genexa.com forward slash wellness mama and using the code wellness. So again, that's genexa, G-E-N-E-X-A.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness. And here's a tip. I always stock up on their homeopathic sleep remedy, which is excellent for helping my kids sleep when they don't want to at night. So again, genexa.com forward slash wellness mama with the code wellness for 20% off. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. It's a company I have loved for years and I order from them all the time. In fact, the majority of the non-perishable and frozen foods in my house are all from Thrive Market. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely need to. And you can get a completely risk-free 30-day free trial for being a listener of this podcast. Just go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM. So thrivemarket.com forward slash WM for Wellness Mama. Here are just a few of the reasons that you will love them. First of all, they have over 500 of their own Thrive Market brand products that are incredible quality and amazing prices. That's everything from bulk ingredients and spices to chips and salsa to nuts and snacks and even protein sources like tuna and sardines. These are all non-GMO and most are organic and at prices cheaper and better than conventional alternatives in my local grocery stores. They also have really high quality meat and seafood as well, from completely grass-fed meat to pastured pork to free-range chicken, and it's all delicious. Thrive is essentially online Costco meets Whole Foods online at much better prices, and it comes to your door. For instance, in my most recent order, you would find a bunch of canned tuna and sardines, bulk nuts and spices to stock our pantry, plantain and cassava chips for snacks for the kids during summer, crackers, condiments, all Thrive Market brand and all favorites in our house. If you haven't, you've got to check them out. Again, go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM to start your 30-day free trial and see for yourself just how awesome they are. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and I am here today with James Maskell who has spent the past decade, actually over a decade, sparking debate, innovating at the cross-section of functional medicine and community, which we are going to explain in depth today. To that end, he created the Functional Forum, which is the world's largest integrative medicine conference, which has set records for participation both online and in growing physician communities around the world. His organization and best-selling book of the same name, Evolution of Medicine, prepares health professionals for a new era of 
predictive and preventative medicine. And he's the founder of a new company called New Health, K-N-E-W, which is an affordable alternative to health insurance, specifically for health conscious people. And we're going to explain that a lot today. Uh, He's been featured on TED, on HuffPo, on TEDx, and he lectures internationally. Super well-spoken. James, welcome and thanks for being here. Such a pleasure, Katie. Uh, It's been my dream to be on the Wellness Mama podcast. So here we are. Oh, I can't wait to dive into this with you. And to start, I would love to hear how you got into the world of functional medicine to begin with. Yeah, so I was the weird kid at school that did natural medicine. Um, it was sort of forced upon me. I was the only kid in school whose mom insisted that she be called before the school just gave us antibiotics, which no other kid in school had. I was the only one. And, you know, at the time, I just thought that was normal. I had a chiropractor. And then I really started to realize that it wasn't normal, um, you know, probably from the ages of sort of 10 to 13. I had a bit of a rebellious phase where I thought I needed to be an investment banker and have kind of a normal life. And about a year into working my first job uh, as an investment banker, uh, I just realized I had a sort of crisis of conscience moment and realized, man, I might be playing for the wrong team here. And I'd grown up in a, you know, in a very different way. And in my university training, I'd done um, my, my degrees in health economics. And through that time, I had really realized that economics and medicine and healthcare around the world was facing serious challenges. You know, in America was sort of like the poster boy child for, you know, too much cost and not enough outcomes. And even back then in 2003, four, when I finished my degree, you know, the UK was, you know, that it had the national health service, which was like a single payer system, which was great and everyone loved, but it was running out of money. And then my dad lives in South Africa. And so I'd had a chance to see that system. And in South Africa, you had you know, in 10 years, a shift from TB, which is an infectious disease being, you know, the, the most, the most common ailment in South Africa to in 10 years, it being type two diabetes. So I saw, you know, these, these big things shifting and I'd done health economics and I just realized being an investment banker wasn't for me. And 15 years ago, I moved to America and I started working in a clinic. Um, I worked in an integrated medicine clinic in Georgia. It was one of the first of its kind. I came to work for my cousin. And that's when I first started to see, in that case, integrative and functional medicine reversing chronic illness. And I was like, hang on a minute. No one else knows about this. This seems to be like a really elegant solution to a lot of the, the problems. You know, chronic disease being caused Uh, the costs are being caused by chronic disease, chronic disease is going up everywhere. This might be an elegant solution. And that was the beginning of a journey that's lasted 15 years and and taken me here. Well, I think my listeners are really savvy. So most of them probably are already well familiar with functional and integrative medicine. But for anybody who may not be, can you kind of walk us through the differences of a functional medicine approach versus conventional medicine approach? Yeah, and I'll, I'll even separate integrative and functional because those words, you know, sometimes get confused. And this is my definition. You know, integrative medicine for me is the integration of standard of care modalities, which is, you know, drugs and surgery with non-standard of care modalities, right? So it could be anything from meditation to exercise to nutrition to all range of other therapies. So integrative medicine I see is the big umbrella. Functional medicine is 
is integrative medicine, but sort of a subsection subsect. And the reason why I like functional medicine is because it has a core operating system, which means that all the doctors are doing it the same, which really is a big part for sort of growing it. But ultimately, you have three underlying principles that I think separate it from conventional medicine. One is the focus is always on finding the root cause, right? So people call it root cause medicine, but you're not looking to just turn off the symptoms. You're looking to uncover the root cause of the issue and you know come to a long-term uh, conclusion. The second is that the patient participates in the care, right? So in, in, in conventional medicine, the doctor is really the most important person. They're the ones with the prescription pad and they give you the drugs. In functional uh, medicine, the patient is an active participant in their care and is going to do the lifestyle things, is going to actually sleep better, is going to exercise, is going to eat properly, uh, and so forth. And then the fourth, uh, the, the third part, I think, is just a whole person approach. And most chronic disease is not happening in one specific geography of the body. It's happening in in all of the body or it's happening between systems. And so this sort of uh, generalist approach is 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 another thing that, that typifies functional medicine. So, you know, I came to functional medicine after a while. I started going to conferences, and what I was looking for, what I saw, was that most doctors who, in the early days, were all doing it differently. Naturopathic doctors, integrative doctors, they all had their own way, but it was all different. And I thought, if we're really going to grow this, we need to find something where everyone's doing it the same, so that we could scale up the education. And that's what led me to functional medicine. Got it. And I know that one complaint I hear from people in my audience is that, you know, functional medicine can be much more expensive or that it's often not covered because it's not, like you said, it's more general. We're trying to address systemic things versus something insurance understands with this common, like this is the problem, this is the solution to this specific problem approach. And I know this is something that you've spoken a lot about trying to kind of change this system from the inside out. Do you see functional medicine as kind of the antidote to the current problems we have in our insurance and medical systems? I think functional medicine is one of the solutions for our problems, for sure. I think that the operating system of functional medicine, using a model where patients are participating and looking for the root cause, is a big part of the future of healthcare. But a couple of things have to happen. You know, one, functional medicine has to be delivered in a way that makes it affordable and accessible for most people. And we have to organize it in a way that, um, you know, that, that we don't use the most expensive things right at the beginning. I mean, that's one of the things that's wrong with conventional medicine right now is this idea of the therapeutic order, right? In medicine right now, we go straight towards the most costly interventions, drugs and surgery. You know, if you have the early stages of an autoimmune disease, right? What are you going to go on? You're going to go on Humira. The cost of Humira is $50,000 a year, right? That is not a reasonable strategy in my mind. You know, there are so many doctors in functional medicine that in the early stages of autoimmune disease can make some significant dietary changes, can take out the anti-inflammatory foods, can repair the gut, can deal with environmental issues and can get that person better, you know, and, and the reason why functional medicine appears expensive, it's not 
it's not expensive at all when compared to Humira as an example. But the reason why it appears expensive is because it's not covered by insurers. And so, you know, this whole system is created that really that the, the, the system of insurance and what things are covered and how you pay for things is sort of intentionally opaque. And it's to disempower the consumer to just do whatever the doctor in the system says, you know, where do you go in the system? You go to your primary care doctor, that primary care doctor is a prescriber, or he could send you to, you know, to other uh, doctors who are also prescribers and a specialist. And ultimately, that system is actually designed to ratchet up cost as quickly as possible. Because one of the sort of sad things or, or, or things that you sort of find out once you get into healthcare is that the three big players in healthcare, which is insurance, hospitals, and pharma, all three of those players are incentivized for health costs to go up. And so there's no one restraining healthcare. So you kind of think that insurance should, but it doesn't. And so we've arrived at this time where the average cost of health insurance in America is $2,400 a month for a family. And, you know, this is the by, by far the highest in the world, and it's becoming super unsustainable for most families. Um, I spoke to a broker last year when we did our tour, and he said for the first time in America, he's seeing people making a hundred to $200,000 a year, right? The world's 1%, maybe not America's 1%, but you know, the 1%, you know, in a certain way, not, not buying health insurance for the first time because it's got so costly. So we got a big problem um, here. And I think functional medicine is one of the solutions to the problem. Well, and to highlight what you just said, I mean, that's astronomical that the cost per family is over $2,000 a month. Um, like truly, that's actually more than I think we made when we first got married collectively. But it would be one thing if that was, you know, fixing all of our problems and we were getting this stellar care. But that's not even the case because you probably know the numbers better than I do. But every time I see the statistics, America actually ranks terribly compared to the rest of the world in health outcomes. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, horrible health outcomes. I mean, the worst in my mind is infant mortality. Like the fact that we're like 56th or 65th in infant mortality is is horrifying. But the levels of chronic disease are horrifying. Um, you know, the amount spent on drugs compared to how well people are is horrifying. You know, so once you start looking at that, I mean, I was looking at that as a healthy health economist and saying, this is really bad. But what's worse is that everywhere around the world is like copying America going, well, America seems to have the best medical system in the world. Because for certain things, we definitely do. Like if you get hit by a car, you want to be in America, right? There are certain, you know, trauma, um, the, the diseases of yesteryear, infections, like you're in a, you're in a pretty good spot to be here. But for chronic illness, this is actually the worst place because it's very hard to make healthy food decisions in America, much harder than, you know, in Europe or even in South Africa. It's, it's a lot harder to get exercise continuously if you live in suburbia and there's no places to walk or run around. You know, it's not a great place to sleep when there's 24-hour cycles of things going on and everyone's got a million screens and Alexa listening to you the whole time. So, you know, we haven't created an environment where it's easy to be healthy. And so ultimately, that's leading to this explosion in the cost of chronic disease. And, um, you know, it's a big problem that we're trying to solve. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I, I fully agree with you that the problem is not going to be solved from within the current system, especially by those big three players, because they have absolutely no incentive to do that. And the demand is going to have to come from us as as people, I, would, I don't want to say patients because I don't think we have to be sick, but as people, and I think we need to create the groundswell of change, which is why I love what you're doing. And I definitely want you to go deep on it. Um, but as we introduce the idea, I want to share 
kind of my perspective on it as well, which, um, so you are the founder of New Health, K-N-E-W, which is a type of cost sharing when it comes to healthcare. And this is something that my family's been using for years. And I want to go deep on it because I know when we were considering making the switch, it seemed scary because even though we knew everything wrong with it, it seemed really risky to let go of insurance and to let go of the current model because that's all we knew. And so um, years ago, actually partially for financial reasons, we made the switch to healthcare sharing because it was substantially cheaper, which we can talk about as well. Um, And because we realized we almost never get sick, we hardly had to use the doctor. So we didn't need actually this really costly insurance plan. We needed something to cover when we truly actually had a problem. And for us, that didn't happen for several years. And then when it did, we kind of got to test cost sharing sort of trial by fire in that my husband woke up one day and felt like he had a little bit of a stomach bug. And a few hours later, he said, I think it hurts more on my right side a little bit. And I immediately took him to the hospital and his appendix had already ruptured. And so for us, that was 10 days of him being in the hospital on multiple antibiotics because he had, um, from the rupture and the surgery that happened, there was a secondary infection with C. diff, with a second, uh, with a flesh-eating bacteria. He was on literally antibiotics by IV every few hours for 10 days. And obviously while we were in that, our only concern was making sure he was okay and getting him through that. But then as soon as we got past that, I was like, oh gosh, the bills. And we had never had to test the cost-sharing method before, and I was definitely a little scared of how that was going to look. And I will say like it was such a completely, it was a paradigm shift to understand what it looks like when we work together as a community to handle those things versus like the clinical cold experience of an insurance company. And what I mean by that is because we were technically considered health self-pay because we didn't have insurance, even though we had healthcare sharing, we were able to negotiate the cost of the bill down so much. I think we negotiated it down from $132,000 to $12,000 to begin with. And then we just paid it out of our our health savings account or whatever that we had saved up and then submitted it to the cost sharing for kind of like reimbursement. And you can kind of explain what all that means as you talk through it. But it was just such a drastically different experience to actually have that coming from real people who then we got to help every month too. We got to send to help others in the community as well every month. Um, But it was just such a drastic, drastic difference. And rather than the cost skyrocketing, we were actually able to negotiate the cost down. And so now you are heading up this new company called New Health. So walk us through that. First of all, what led you to create that and then kind of how that system works? Yeah. So I'm really glad you share that story, Katie, because it's it's the perfect example of the difference between insurance and cost sharing. And there are so many, so many key parts, key pieces, but that what you shared was, was, was very critical. So, you know, the history of cost sharing is such that, um, you know, what is, what is insurance? Let's start with that. So insurance is a way that you can connect with a third party company, an insurance company to pay them a premium every month for a defined set of circumstances. And we understand with car insurance or, you know, home insurance, what that's for, right? You use it in the case of an emergency to deal with emergency situations. But in health insurance, you know, we've, it's, it's not that, right? It's, it's actually a, a health plan. It's not, it's called health insurance, but it's really a health plan. And and if you go back another level, you could actually argue it's kind of like a prepaid drug plan because there are costs that happen like a burst, a burst appendix, but 86% of health costs in America are not for burst appendices. Therefore, 
the costs of chronic illness, therefore Humira and those kind of things. So you could argue that when you have a health plan in today's system, you actually have a prepaid drug plan because built into you, the costs of your plan are the drugs that everyone else is taking and that you might be taking or the drugs that you might take if you get the diseases that we're all expected to get. And so, you know, if you're the kind of family that chooses to be healthy, right? I was just remarking today, my six-year-old, it's my six-year-old daughter doesn't know what Coca-Cola is. I feel very proud of that in a weird way. I found out this weekend, she had no idea what it was. It was awesome. So, but if you're a family that takes care of your health and you're unlikely to use the medical system, you're unlikely to use a prepaid drug plan because you'll start with food, you'll start, you'll follow, you know, I was talking earlier about the therapeutic order. There's a concept called the therapeutic order in natural medicine, which is where you start with the least costly, least invasive interventions first and work your way up to drugs and surgery. So if you're that person, if you on the first feeling of like a, a stomach ache or otherwise you start thinking about you know, food, you start thinking about, you know, drinking water, you start thinking about natural remedies before you would ever consider taking an antibiotic or, or something, you know, in that, in that, in that situation, then you're probably overpaying for health insurance because you're not going to use the drugs that some people will use, you know, straight off the gate. So the first eight years that I lived in America from 2005 to 2012, 2013, I actually didn't have health insurance. I was taking a risk. Um, I was single and then I was married, um, but I just, I knew a lot of doctors and I grew up in England. So I could always go back there if I got, you know, diagnosed with cancer, which most people can't, but I was just like trying to work out a good plan. I just started my business. I couldn't afford it. And then uh, in 2013, I had my daughter and then my mother-in-law was like, you have to have health insurance. And so I was like, okay, let me look around. So at that time for my, you know, where I lived, I lived in New York at that point, um, it was going to be $1,500 a month for me to have this basic health insurance because my wife was of childbearing age and, um, you know, just the income level that I was at, uh, $1,500 a month. By the way, that same number today for New Yorkers in there could be over $3,000 a month. It is actually, I took a call from someone the other day. It is. So $1,500 a month. And then I found this health cost sharing through a friend that was $449 a month. And, you know, by the way, the insurance company didn't want to pay for my home birth anyway. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to try the cost sharing thing. I'd heard it from enough people that it was, it was good. And by the way, a million Americans, as of January 2018, a million Americans use health cost sharing. So this is not a niche idea by any means anymore. This is like a mainstream idea. And if you hadn't heard of it yet, this is kind of the reason why I started New Health is because I realized that you know we were limited to the number of people that we were going to get into this thing by the fact that the only cost sharing entities were of Christian origin. I mean, and so you know to go back to what I was saying earlier, you know, the cost shares started because groups of people, in this case, churches in the 80s, realized that they had a big enough congregation that they didn't need to all pay a health insurance company a small premium for to sort of stratify their risk of the community. They could actually stratify the risk by each other. So if Johnny gets hit by a car and there's 10,000 people in the community and Johnny's care costs 10 grand, then everyone's going to send Johnny a dollar. Right. That was the original idea. And some of the systems still work to this day, you know, actually sending checks to people in, in that kind of system. Ultimately, 
I really enjoyed being part of that system. I was saving a thousand dollars a month or eleven hundred dollars a month compared to health insurance. You know, I saw the pediatrician that I wanted to see who didn't take insurance. He's amazing. You know, my wife liked to go to the chiropractor after she gave birth. You know, we there were other things that we did that weren't covered by insurance. And so we just, you know, we just paid for it with all the money that we were saving. And we still had the reassurance that if, you know, we got into an accident or otherwise, that those costs would be shared by the community. And more and more people just started realizing this was a great idea and that they could actually leave health insurance altogether. They could get themselves out of the system and they could save a lot of money. So why are these health shares less expensive? Well, the biggest reason you already shared, you know, if you had had health insurance, your health insurance company would have paid $132,000 for that uh, appendectomy that Seth had. Whereas, you know, obviously now the community is sharing $12,000. This is a serious issue. You needed care, but you know, you saved the, the community $120,000 by paying cash. And that's sort of secret number one to the success of the cost shares is that everyone's a cash paying patient. For what, what most people don't know about medicine, Katie, is that every procedure that's happening, there is a list. And that list is how much to charge people based on what insurance they have. You have cash at the bottom, which is like cash is king. If you negotiate for cash, you're going to get the lowest rate possible. A bit higher than cash, you've got like Medicare rates, which is sort of like you know, they, they've got enough in, in that that that's higher. It can be still significantly higher, Medicare. And then above them, you have all of the insurances and they go up and up and up. And once I started looking at these numbers, I was like, you cannot create anything sustainable for the future of healthcare, which is what I'm doing with my life, right? I'm here to create the system that makes the existing system obsolete. If I'm going to create that system, I need to bank on something that's real, and to me, the only prices in medicine that are real are cash prices. Everything else is a dog and pony show. Everything else, I would say, actually is a scam, right? If you look at, if you look at lab pricing as a, as a great example, like how much does it cost for labs? If you just walk into your doctor's office with you know, your primary care doctor's office, and let's just say you're one of half of the Americans out there that has a high deductible plan. So let's say you're paying the first three to five to $10,000 of your care. If you walk into the doctor's office and they say, oh, you need these 10 tests, those 10 tests could come back at say $3,000 for all those 10 tests. Whereas if you paid cash, it would be $150. That's 20 times different. That's 5% of the cost. That is a scam. And, you know, ultimately you can build on, and in 47 states of the nation, you know, every consumer is now empowered to go and use those labs themselves. They just don't know that they can. So ultimately cash pricing is, is the only thing to build on. And what cost sharing does is rather than having a third party profit making institution to cover your risk of uh, an injury or illness, the community itself uh, supports the risk. And so I saw what the Christian ministries were doing. I was like, this is the future. It just needs to be made a bit better. It just needs to be cool. And it just needs to be a bit more techie. And we'll actually have something that could really compete with, with insurance. And to, if enough people got into it, could you know really bring about some significant change. And that's why I decided to start it. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the home birth side as well, because that was another area where I definitely saw the benefit and how, because the insurance that we previously had would not have covered home birth as well. And even um, I found in our last couple of births, I was actually still having our kids in hospitals up until 
the fifth one because my husband wasn't completely comfortable with a home birth yet, but she ended up being breech, at which point my hospital-based midwives told me, I can't let you deliver her naturally. And I'm a rebel at heart, so I don't like being told I can't do anything. Um, But with healthcare sharing, I was able to, at 38 weeks, find a home birth midwife that would deliver a breech baby and had delivered 60 plus breech babies, and it was still covered. And that would not have ever been an option with insurance. And so I love that patient choice aspect of this, because I feel like without the insurance company pulling the strings as a patient, we actually get to make so many more informed choices based on our own values than we would when it's dictated by an insurance company. And I'm sure you guys hear that all the time from people. All the time. I mean, look, if you are in any way an empowered consumer, being in the insurance system is horrible. I mean, imagine a situation where you have insurance, you go to the hospital, you get the care, and then you find out that you're out of network because you went to the wrong place. Out of network does not exist in cost sharing because everywhere accepts cash. And one of the things that we did, Katie, one of the things we wanted to make sure of is that, you know, a lot of people feel intimidated by you know, by bargaining, right? Anywhere else in the world, you know, go to Europe or go to the Middle East, everyone loves bargaining for cash. But here, people not so not so into it, you know, uh, negotiating. So we made sure in New Health that if any situation comes up, that you call our team of concierges and you say, hey, this issue's come up, what do I do? And they will negotiate on your behalf. So in the same way that you got it from 132,000 to 12,000, amazing that you could do that. That is not typical. Uh, That is not atypical. That kind of saving is available to everyone. And so rather than each individual in the community doing it, we've got a lawyer who's going to get after it and make sure. And the, the, the sort of theme I would say is, you know, friends don't let friends pay retail for medicine, right? If you're in a community and you're all in, incentivized to, you know, one of the things I, I really found from the Christian ministries that I loved was that the energy of the group was less, you know, in insurance, it's kind of like, I'm paying all this money. These guys aren't doing anything. I'm just going to like put as much on my tab as possible because someone else is paying it. And I hate these guys. 7% of people trust their health insurance company. So that's kind of the energy of, of the transaction that you have with insurance. In cost sharing, it's more like, hey, I care about my fellow people in this community. I'm going to be a good custodian of the resources within the pool. So I'm only ever going to pay the lowest rate. I'm going to make sure that I have someone negotiating on my behalf. If something serious comes up, that's what the point of this is for. And if nothing comes up, I'm going to do my effort to keep myself as healthy as possible. And because I do that, I'm going to benefit for the low rates of the whole community. And what it brings is a sort of a, you know, we've all, we all know about personal responsibility, right? And I'm sure you've had hundreds of guests on your podcast talk about it's time for personal responsibility in healthcare. You're responsible for your choices. You're responsible for, you know, what doctors you choose and so forth. I think it's time for some communal responsibility. And I think that Americans and and everywhere around the world know that that's like in our genetics, right? That's how we were. That's, that's how humanity has always been in groups that support each other and ultimately that's what cost sharing is and you know we wanted to make this available to you know to every american and uh, and ultimately um you know that led us down this path and it's been it's been exciting to take something that already works well for a million people and just try and improve it and um 
it's been, you know, it's been a great journey so far. We're just getting started, but we're excited to, uh, you know, to grow this thing pretty significantly in the next two years. And we're going to be here for the next uh, hundred. And I love that there's a health focus as well, because as you mentioned, these organizations do exist, but they're um, exclusively that I know of until this point based around um, a religion or a common belief system. And so this way it's actually based around people who are interested in health, which logically is going to help keep costs down, as you said. Um, I'd love to hear kind of for anyone who's not familiar with this type of model, I know it sounds really confusing at first, walk us through the practical aspects of what it looks like for a family. Like how are they paying each month? Where does it go? What happens if they have a need? How does that all work? Yeah, perfect. So it operates very similar to insurance as far as like the basic fundamentals. You're paying in a certain amount every month, right? So you can go to the calculator, you can find out how much your monthly is and and you pay that amount every month into the into the share. And then if you have a need, all you have to pay is the first X number of dollars, depending on which plan you buy. So we have a $500 plan, a $1,500 plan, and a $5,000 plan. Now you'll choose that number depending on like if you have a big health savings account you may want to choose the $5000 amount because ultimately the premium or the the monthly amount is going to be lower the higher your unshared amount is but any dollar over that unshared amount is shared by the community so you know as an example um you know just to give you an ex- example so let's just say you know you're paying the amount every month in and suddenly you realize you need a prescription at 3 in the morning right? You, we have 24-7 access to telemedicine. You'll get a doctor who's licensed in your state. You can say, hey, this is coming up. I think, we, you know, what do you think? You know, that we wanted to give you that kind of safety so that you can get on the phone with a doctor at a moment's notice, 24 hours a day, and they can send the prescription to your local CVS, right? We wanted to have that for peace of mind. It's all about reassurance, right? It's about reassurance that you're going to be fine. Right. So that's the first thing is that that's available to you. The second thing is if you have a medical need. So let's just say in your situation with Seth, you realize it's appendicitis, right? You get him in the car, you're driving, you call our concierge, you say, Hey, look, I think he's got appendicitis. Where shall I take him? They take over. They'll say, take him to this place. They have a good rating. And we've already pre-negotiated the whole package for you. And it's going to be $12,000 instead of $132,000. Or maybe they'd be better at negotiating for you. So maybe they've got it down to $7,000. you are like, okay, great. So you go there. You have the care. You get the whole package delivered to you. You pay their hospital $7,000. You send that bill of $7,000 to the health share. And the health share would pay you back either $6,500 or $5,500 or $2,000, depending on you know which, which plan you had. But ultimately, your cap per incident is set. Every other thing that happens after that is, is shared by the community. And that's about it. You know, and so you use that service. Now, ultimately, over time, we're going to work in more and more health-creating services. Like once functional medicine is afford- delivered in an affordable enough way for everyone to get it, and I'm working on um, getting functional medicine delivered in a group environment, so it's much more cost-effective and it's proving itself to be much better. If anyone's interested in that, we just with uh, Evolution of Medicine, which is my first company, we're just doing a whole series on group visits and in the Cleveland Clinic where they're doing functional medicine, they're using groups like group medicine is the future. And so that'll be coming down the road. But ultimately, 
you know, you have reassurance now that if anything happens, you have the cost community behind you. You have a doctor at a moment's notice if you need a prescription, but that you can go and see whatever doctor you want. Most people I'm sure here, you know, um, have a local chiropractor they, they like or have a local doctor that they like. You just keep seeing him. He's happy because you're paying him cash and ultimately you make decision, whatever decisions you want. But I guess I just want to reframe one thing, Katie, that I've learned along the way is that at this time in the world, you want to avoid the medical system. That's my feeling. You don't want to avoid the health system. Like you want to be actively creating health. You may even want to be measuring your health outcomes with regular labs. That's the other thing we have inside New Health is access to the lowest cost labs. So you'll never pay more than five cents on the dollar for any lab. And you can ask your doctor what to get. And you can, as long as you're in the 47 states, you can, you can order directly. So. You know, that's, that's the, the, the purpose. You can measure it. But ultimately, what, we, what our thesis is, is that healthy people should avoid the health system if at all possible, because the incentives are terrible. You know, most of the players in here are not acting with integrity or have been, you know, have led to a, a structure has been created where it's hard to act with integrity because these are profit-making entities and they all have to follow a fiduciary responsibility to make as much money as possible. Insurance, you know, insurance is not as obvious as pharma and hospitals in that situation. But ultimately, you know, that's where we find ourselves today. And my my feeling, and I think a lot of other people feel, is that the best way to navigate such an opaque system is to be part of a community that can support you if something happens, but to empower you with good information and good choices. Because chances are, if you listen to the Wellness Mama podcast and you've been following your work for the last five or ten years, you know you're in a pretty good you know in a pretty good space when you know how to take care of yourself and your family. Yeah, agreed. And I think that's how we eventually do shift the system and shift the focus in America. I'm also curious on a logistical note. Um, I know that when, with everything that was going on with healthcare debates in the US, um, I know that when we were on the healthcare sharing that we were on, it, we were able, that was considered an exemption from not having, from the penalties of not having insurance. Is that the case for new health as well? Like, how does that work? Is, are there any tax implications? Are there any logistical or legal implications that people need to know about? Yeah. So I decided to start this on the day the law changed, right? So up until January 1st, 2018, you there was a thing called the individual mandate. And if you didn't have health insurance, you'd have to pay a tax penalty. And the only organizations that were exempt from that were the five Christian cost-sharing ministries. On April, on January the 2nd, when the law changed and the, the, um, the penalty went away, you know, everyone else probably didn't even realize it was happening because there was a lot of other stuff that happened in that bill. But I was like, hang on a minute, this is our shot. It means that, you know, if people don't have to have insurance, that means that they can sign up for, you know, any medical cost sharing plan they want. And yeah, it took us about, took us about six months to work out how to do it and to get all the pieces in place. Last summer, I got on a bus with my wife and my daughter and uh, a friend and we drove all across the country 22,000 miles we put on 26 live events for our practitioners across the the country uh we launched in november around open enrollment we realized there were some things that we needed to um, make a lot better before we um before we kind of launched on this show and and through all the other supporters that we have in the industry but now we're ready for prime time and um yeah we'd love to meet any of your members who already like health cost sharing and already use it, but are just looking for a slightly more like sophisticated system where, you know, you don't have to send your bills off to somewhere. You can just 
use the app and take a picture of them. Um, you know, people who have never heard of health cost sharing, you know, we'd love them too, because you can see how much you can save if you use the calculator. And then, you know, people who aren't Christian, you know, I lived in New York, I lived in LA, I have no people from all, uh, all, you know, all around the world who are healthy and come from different backgrounds and, are, and you know, have different traditions in their tradition. They want to be part of a community that takes health seriously. And, um, you know, all of those people are welcome. There, there, are, there are people who can't join New Health, and I just want to make sure that that's clear. So if you're over 65, health cost sharing is not for you. You have Medicare, and that's sort of like the equivalent of health cost sharing, I think, for, for people over 65. If you're under 21, you're probably still on your parents' plan, and therefore, you're probably not going to join a cost sharing. And ultimately, if your health insurance is paid by your company, um, you know, then you can't really use health cost sharing either. So 21 to 65. Um, but I know more and more people are working for themselves. More and more people are seeing what it costs to use the health exchange and seeing the whole cost, not just what they pay their employer. And so, you know, more and more people, if you lose your job, you know, now you've come face to face with Cobra and that can be um, a very daunting experience. So the good news about health cost sharing is that you can sign up at any time. It's not like insurance where you have to wait till November. You can quit your insurance at any time. Not a lot of people know that, but you can just cancel your credit card or you can just tell them you're canceling your insurance and um, you know you can join New Health at any time. We'd love to have you. Yeah, it's exciting that this is an option that exists that's so health-focused because you guys are the, the one doing this that no one else is doing. And I know there's going to be probably a lot of logistical follow-up questions that happen um, from this, and I'm hoping I can anticipate some of them. But I know people are going to ask, for instance, like, what about really big things, catastrophic things? Are there things that are not covered? Um, you know, what about pre-existing conditions? So can you speak to some of those qualifiers as well? Yeah. So, you know, in the group that I used to be part of, the Christian ministry, you know, there was a million dollar cap or you could choose different caps. We have no caps in our system. You know, ultimately, there's so few people who cost more than a million dollars a year. It's like the percentage on that is is minuscule. Um, and, you know, that doesn't that doesn't happen statistically often enough to break the pool. So we have an unlimited cap. Obviously, our cap is going to be much lower than other people's cap is because we're going to negotiate every dollar that comes out of the pool. So there's no cap. You know, with pre-existing conditions, you know, ultimately we're a startup. And so we are... Uh, focused on getting a, a good size, healthy pool. In the medium term, we are looking to take pre-existing conditions because we feel like we can reverse them with, with functional medicine. But I would say that's a couple of years off in terms of having a nationwide system that can do that. And so in the meantime, we came up with a plan that we think is fair to people who are in the community already, right? We don't want necessarily people coming in who are on 15 expensive medications because that's kind of the point of the pool. You know, we do have a lot of people, for example, because we've become really big in the paleo community, right? In the paleo community, a lot of people got diagnosed with a disease and have managed to get themselves back to not taking drugs by lifestyle. You're welcome and perfect. It's great to have you. So the way that we set it up is that in the first year, the costs of pre-existing conditions are not shared. Right. So um, it's not that you can't come in with a pre-existing condition. It's just the cost of managing that condition, that pre-existing condition is not shared. In year two, it's shared up to $25,000. In year three, it's shared up to $50,000. And then from year four, it's fully shared. So, you know, if you're a person that has you know, taken on a healthy lifestyle and has had a condition in your past and you've got it under control, 
Um, you know, that's how we've, we've set it up and things may change in the future, but ultimately we felt like that was something that was, you know, fair to people who were coming in really healthy. Like I've been in a health share for five years. I've never made a claim, um, touch wood because, you know, my family's been healthy. We go and see the doctors that we want to see. Um, it's not because of a specific condition. It's just because of like health, health maintenance and restoration. So that's where I would love everyone to be. And so, um, you know, that's the way that we, we set it up, uh, to build, we want to build a healthy pool. And the reason is Katie is that in the medium term, you know, we see that health insurance will go the, the wrong way where it'll just get more and more and more expensive as the healthy risk leaves the system and our, all the healthy risk will be in our system. And then essentially there's going to be an incentive for people to get healthy, which is exactly the opposite incentive that we have now. The person who gets the most value from their health plan is the least healthy. And everything in, in human behavior comes back to incentives to a certain degree. And money is a big incentive. And so our medium-term goal is to actually to create a healthy community where it's cool to be healthy, where everyone is in a mutually empowering, supportive community. And that ultimately, if you want to be part of that community, you've got to get healthy and then we'll have a system ready to do it. Um, you know, getting the functional medicine community organized and, and set up in a, in, a, in a way that we can deliver functional medicine affordably to the masses is still in preparation, but that's what we could be bringing together over the next uh, five years. That's fascinating. And I'm also curious about, because um, I've also been a member of a Christian healthcare sharing organization, and I know that they have like pretty strict criteria of lifestyle factors that have to be kind of like checked off on and agreed to as membership. And so I'm curious, are there any of those with new health? Specifically, I know that there's a lot of, for instance, clinical research being done right now on certain drugs that are currently illegal, but that might become legal in the future on conditions like PTSD or anxiety and depression, you know, treatment resistant depression. Um, but like the healthcare ministries, that would not be allowed because you have to sign off that you are not going to use any illegal drugs. So I'm curious, are there qualifiers like that that people need to be aware of? I'm glad you put it in that context, actually, because what a bizarre world that we live in where, you know, the, the same drugs that you weren't allowed to take in health cost sharing because they're illegal are the same drugs that are reversing the most complex psycho, uh, you know, mental and emotional issues and physical health, things like chronic pain, um, things like PTSD, um, treatment resistant depression. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting world. No, we don't have any of those, uh, those things. I mean, ultimately there is an agreement that you're going to live a healthy life and whatever that means to you, it's about finding something your way, right? And and what's healthy to one person is probably not, may not be healthy to another person. We have vegan people, we have paleo people, you know, we have runners, we have yogis, we have libertarians, like there are lots of different reasons why people join a health share. Ultimately, we want to be unified around the, the, the ideas of health. And, you know, we're going to be building, you know, health education. Um, you know, we're going to be building this practitioner network. Um, if you've never had a health coach before, you can have a free session with a health coach who can get you and your family on track with a plan. Um, we've got tons of resources. Like there are great resources in tech all the time that's being created out there that we have our finger on the pulse. So when the cool new meditation app comes along, we can recommend it to our members. You know, we're just, um, you know, we're, we're sort of like a curator. And so ultimately, you know, it's, it's about you 
creating health in your way. Every family's different. We want to honor the choices that you make for your family and provide reassurance uh, in moments um, of, uh, of catastrophic illness or injury. And I think that's, that's what most people are looking for from insurance. It's just medical insurance just became devoid from the original meaning of insurance. Yeah, exactly. This podcast is brought to you by Genexa, a company revolutionizing over-the-counter products for children and families. Their products are all cleaner, healthier, and allergen-free versions of the products you already know and use. Genexa has a whole line of natural homeopathic remedies for sleep, stress, allergy relief, jet lag, and so much more. And they've also developed more natural alternatives to things like Heartburn Remedies is an alternative to Tums, a truly clean vitamin D3, for instance, in infants and kids, natural saline rinse for infants, kids, or adults, a pain crush roll-on that I've been using after tough workouts, a natural laxative, and so much more. All of their products are vetted and tested and approved by an entire team of doctors to make sure that they are all safe, natural, and effective. You can check them out and save 20% just for being a listener of this podcast by going to genexa.com forward slash wellness mama and using the code wellness. So again, that's genexa, G-E-N-E-X-A.com forward slash wellness mama and the code wellness. And here's a tip. I always stock up on their homeopathic sleep remedy, which is excellent for helping my kids sleep when they don't want to at night. So again, genexa.com forward slash wellness mama with the code wellness for 20% off. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. It's a company I have loved for years and I order from them all the time. In fact, the majority of the non-perishable and frozen foods in my house are all from Thrive Market. If you haven't checked them out, you definitely need to. And you can get a completely risk-free 30-day free trial for being a listener of this podcast. Just go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM. So thrivemarket.com forward slash WM for Wellness Mama. Here are just a few of the reasons that you will love them. First of all, they have over 500 of their own Thrive Market brand products that are incredible quality and amazing prices. That's everything from bulk ingredients and spices to chips and salsa to nuts and snacks and even protein sources like tuna and sardines. These are all non-GMO and most are organic and at prices cheaper and better than conventional alternatives in my local grocery stores. They also have really high quality meat and seafood as well, from completely grass-fed meat to pastured pork to free-range chicken, and it's all delicious. Thrive is essentially online Costco meets Whole Foods online at much better prices, and it comes to your door. For instance, in my most recent order, you would find a bunch of canned tuna and sardines, bulk nuts and spices to stock our pantry, plantain and cassava chips for snacks for the kids during summer, crackers, condiments, all Thrive Market brand, and all favorites in our house. If you haven't, you have got to check them out. Again, go to thrivemarket.com forward slash WM to start your 30-day free trial and see for yourself just how awesome they are. And the other aspect of this that I love so much is the community aspect, because even though this is a virtual community, that's something that listeners have definitely heard me say probably like a little ad nauseum at this point is how important community is. And I know that you share my view on this, but 
statistically, having a supportive community of some kind, having close relationships with people, which need to be in person as well, not just in a context like this, but is one of the best things we can do for our health. Actually more important than quitting smoking, twice as important as exercise. It's truly drastic how important that is for our health. And so to me, like the root of this kind of model just speaks to that, to the fact that we all, that's like, that's what we were designed for as human animals is that community and that human connection. And I think in many aspects of life and certainly in healthcare, like we've been talking about today, when you, when that's the focus and the core, you're able to do really amazing things. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. No, I, I, you know, I did my Ted talk four years ago on the cross section of community and medicine. You know, that's why I'm so passionate about group visits. Cause I see that that's actually that happening. It's, you know, a lot of people are just lonely, you know, that's why we need to put people in these groups and that's why the outcomes are so incredible in those groups. Um, but yeah, you know, you're totally right. And as this develops, we'll see more of it. I just want to give you one example. So when we were on the tour last year, we ended up having dinner with four families. Now they all happen to be health professionals. So they all work for themselves and they were like, Hey, why don't we all just sign up for new health together? And now we're all incentivized to keep not over, you know, not only our families healthy, but everyone healthy. They started a community batch cooking night. So once a week, they all get together in the family, have the biggest kitchen, and uh, they cook healthy meals for the week. And everyone cooks on mass in bulk, and they separate them out into their glass Tupperware. And they're saving money, they're saving time, they're feeling the regular connection. So you know, if you're fired up about this and you feel like you want to be part of the solution in healthcare, go and find all of your awesome, healthy, self-employed friends and see if they want to join health together uh, as a community, and you know, build that in-person community too and what better way than to cook once a week for each other or to meditate together or to exercise together anything that you do that's already healthy if you add in the social element it becomes exponentially more healthy and so you know we're not going to solve all of the problems here katie but what we are going to do is we're going to create an incentive structure where now it's incentivized for you to be healthy and to keep your friend and neighbor who's also in the community healthy and what ways that will actually execute in person is up to the community itself. We're just going to create the right structure for it. So I'm really thrilled to see innovation already happening like that. You know, and once we get to uh, 20, 30, 50,000 members, we can start to do meetups, we can do festivals, we can do all kinds of stuff. Um, but ultimately, this is year one. And um, we're really appreciative, uh, you know, appreciative to ambassadors like yourself and, and other people that, you know, I've built relationships with over the last 10 years who are like, go get them. We need this. Let's do it. I love it. And for any of you guys listening who want to learn more about it, you can, the link to find out more is wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash new K-N-E-W. And that link will be in the show notes as well, as well as um, links to other things that James and I have talked about. Um, as we get close to the end, James, I would love to ask a little bit of an unrelated question somewhat selfishly. Um, if there are any book or books that have really changed your life and if so, what they are and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there are a lot of books that are interesting to me. I'll give you, I'll give you a few. So, you know, Lynchpin by Seth Godin, I say is my favorite book because it changed the way that I wanted to live or how I wanted to work. You know, I, I don't feel like I've worked a day in my life because I love what I do. And Lynchpin was, was a really incredible book for me to sort of just in whatever position I found myself in, step up and be as valuable as possible. I think that was uh, an incredible book. I'm going to throw out a random one here, but Fingerprints of the Gods by Graham Hancock. You know, 
if you want to bend your mind about what the world was and where it's going and what it looks like, incredible book. It was the first book that I read when I moved to America. And I read this book and I was like, the world is not what it seems. You know, we uh, have a legacy, uh, humans, that we're not really taught about. And if everyone really knew that, I think we'd operate very differently in the world. You know, two of my favorites. And then, you know, uh, Jeff Bland has become my mentor. He and I uh, host a podcast together called uh, Big Bold Health, and he is the godfather of functional medicine. And he wrote a book called The Disease Delusion. And uh, if you want your mind uh, evolved about the disease delusion and about disease and what it is and what it isn't read that book, because that really, you know, really locked in my mind, the fact that chronic illness is not really a disease. It's a dysfunction and that function can be improved. And by viewing medicine through a, a, a lens of function and a lens of health and not a lens of disease and disease risk, we actually have a lot more of an idea of, of how to create health at scale. So, you know, there's three books for you and, and I'm sure different parts of the audience will go to different parts of it. I love it, James. Thank you so much for all the work you're doing in functional medicine and in community-based medicine like this and for sharing today. I'm so glad that you were here. And I think that you're right. This is the future of health. And I think that many of us, this is a great solution. So thank you for sharing today. No problem, Katie. And you know, thanks for creating such an amazing community. I've watched it thrive over the last uh, little while. And um, I knew one day that I'd have a project that would be interesting enough to get me on the podcast. And thank you for having me. Of course. And thanks as always to all of you for listening, for sharing your most valuable asset, your time with us today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.